0: And welcome to another episode of Akari Souls Podcast. Today we have a friend of the show. We call her that because she's been on a lot. And we want her on even more. And she's one of my dear friends. She's one of the sweetest people I know. I I don't know if everybody would say that about her, but I definitely do. None other than Aaron Haynes. How are you?
1: I'm great. I'll be sure to Cash App you for those kind yeah. words. Thank it's you, friend.
0: Two or three bucks. We I'm about to go eat lunch when I get done with this. So that'd be very helpful. Um, you know, we start our show the same way by having our guests walk us through the arc of their career. But you're a uh, you're a friend of the show, so we'll get right into it. I want to highlight the work you're doing at the 19th for listeners who may not be following the 19th, but will after this show. Can you talk about what stories are that you cover these days and what distinguishes the 19th from other political news stories, say, like The Messenger or Politico? Does Politico even exist anymore or BuzzFeed?
1: Politico Um, does still exist per the newsletters that I get in my inbox. Uh, So, yeah, uh, the 19th, we are three years old, started in 2020, basically because uh, political journalism was too white and too male. And we thought we would try to do something about that. So, uh, you know, we have a really diverse newsroom uh, racially uh, in terms of gender. Um, So many folks uh, got a shout out on the first day of Pride Month uh, from the LGBTQ community also represented in our newsroom and also in our coverage. So, uh, you know, we really uh, what we stand for is just um, politics that is for people who have previously been unseen and unheard for too long in our democracy. And um, so that is what the 19th is about. Obviously, we are named for the 19th Amendment in case people didn't know that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but with an asterisk in our logo for the Black women who were thrown under the bus when white women stepped over us on their way to getting their access to the franchise. So um, what am I working on right now? Uh, I actually launched a new newsletter. So thanks for having me on. Perfect timing. It's called The Amendment, and it is a new newsletter for the new electorate. Uh, it comes out every other Wednesday, and you can sign up for free on our website at 19thnews.org.
0: Mm-hmm. You always doing something. I mean, always. times it's like you just partying in Atlanta, but
1: wow. Wow.
0: Wow. Yeah. And Philly
1: <laughs> Get off, get off Philly. my
0: home. is home. is home Philly or Atlanta. Where's home? Uh,
1: I mean, in my heart, um, home is always going to be Atlanta, but my adopted home and the home that has adopted me is Philadelphia for right now. I
0: love both of those. Let's talk about the Supreme Court. I've had two shows where we, where you've had experts come on to talk about the students for fair admission cases. And it's clear to me that race conscious admissions will be gone in the next few weeks. Uh, All considerations of race in higher education will be gone too. I mean, it just seems like the court, uh, thanks Ruth Bader Ginsburg, is moving in a direction uh, that we don't want it to go. Um, I'm not seeing the kind of alarms go off though that we saw, for example, with Dobbs and Roe being overturned. But to me, this is just as big. Why aren't we hearing more and why aren't more people talking about the loss of affirmative action? Do we just not care?
1: Uh, You know, I I do think not unlike Dobbs, uh, what it takes is for these things to actually come to pass before people start to pay attention or before people really start to understand why it matters or why they should care. Uh, This, I think student loans, though, uh, is something that has definitely been on people's radar. It's definitely something that people have been pushing for, uh, you know, the the, um, relief on student loan uh, debt. And obviously, we've had that moratorium in place since the pandemic that is now apparently with the debt ceiling deal uh, about to go away, and people are about to have to start repaying those student loans in the next couple of months. So I think a lot of issues as it pertains to students in higher education are starting to come into focus, uh, and and, and I wonder what that is going to mean especially headed into 2024, uh, maybe a lot more young people might start to understand the stakes of, of the Supreme Court and, and how that relates to elections. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if, if that is something that, that ends up happening.
0: How do you think the administration responds to this? Because we haven't talked about codifying Roe, excuse me, we have talked about codifying Roe, but we haven't talked about codifying cases like Grutter or anything else. What should they be doing in your view? And do you think they'll have a forceful response?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, certainly uh, I think it is on us as a media to be asking the administration uh, these questions. What, uh, for example, is a Department of Education prepared to do from from an enforcement uh, perspective uh, for whatever may already be on the books to make sure that that uh, students have uh, fair and equitable access to higher education, uh, especially as it pertains to the admissions process. And also, I mean, the Biden administration is going to have to have a plan once, um, you know, student loans uh, to help help people who may be struggling to repay those student loans um, since, since this, you know, part of the debt ceiling deal is going to be that, that folks have to start repaying apparently in the next couple of months. Uh, people are still struggling in this economy, especially young people, as we know. And so, um, you know, in lieu of uh, real uh, relief uh, on student loan debt uh, that a lot of people have been asking for, uh, I think people are still looking uh, to the federal government to 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 help them in whatever way that they can.
0: I have a few more questions about the Supreme Court, but I wanted to kind of jump topics on you real quick. And what are you seeing in your journalism and your coverage about the possibility of two octogenarians running for president of the United States? Like what what uh where you giggling? Where are you laughing? I mean, that is what they would be. I mean, that's
1: a, that's where we're that's where we're headed, right? That's I where mean, we're that headed. that certainly seems to be what where is the we... vibe,
0: you know. Let me ask you a, a, an Atlanta question. What's the vibe like with two the
1: vibe? Mm, I mean, uh the vibes are lukewarm, you know. I mean, but but again, I mean. Here's a thing that I always hate about this question, you know, because we talk about likability or we talk about, you know, how people feel about, uh, you know, the, the, whatever, whoever the choices are, uh, whether it's going to be Biden Trump or Biden and, and somebody else uh, on the Republican side, and it's like how people feel is not really the point. It's like, are you going to vote for these people or not? Uh, and I, and and you probably are old enough to remember this too, Bakari. Like, uh, 2008 was probably the only time, and at least in my recent memory. Uh, that I can remember the electorate really just falling in love with the candidate, right?
0: Well, I don't know. I think they fell in love with Bill.
1: The point is, generally speaking, like uh, elections are not about falling in love with somebody. This is about a one night stand. Okay, that's what election day is. Okay, and people people do not have to be in love with somebody. I don't know what those are.
0: You know, I just hear about I know
1: know you don't know anything about what I'm talking about. You're probably going to have to explain that to you and a lot of our other readers. But uh, literally Election Day is 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 the day like, can you can you vote for this person on Election Day, period? Like, that's the only question that matters. Not whether you love this person, not whether this person excites you, not not whether not whether this person is your best friend or or you can have a beer with them. Are you going to vote for this person or not?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's. I mean, that's you sound like Joe Biden now, because Joe says he doesn't have to be better than the almighty. He just has to be better than the alternative, which.
1: Well, I mean, but especially for us, like black people usually don't have the luxury of voting for somebody that they love for anything. Right. It's like who's going to do who's going to do me the least amount of harm. Right. It's harm mitigation. That's usually what elections are about for a lot of people of color. Voting for black people people people
0: is harm mitigation. That is brilliant. That's brilliant. That's why you're here. But let's let's actually talk about some of the groups. Uh, when we talk about the Supreme Court, when we talk about this election, when we talk about uh, the elimination of, of of student loans or um, affirmative action, et cetera. And then we look at Joe Biden versus Donald Trump, a probable 2024 matchup. What are you seeing from groups like the CBC or the NAACP or. Um, our friend, Color of Change, I, I don't think they probably deserve to be in the same sentence, but are those groups actually stepping up to the plate? Uh,
1: I think those groups like that are going to be crucial in terms of turnout, because we're already having the conversation about, you know, we're ready to blame black folks once again, you know, depending on how the election turns out, uh, not crediting black folks, depending on how the election turns out. But but if enough black folks don't turn out, you know, is it going to be their fault uh, if Democrats lose in 2024? So um These are the kinds of groups that are certainly crucial to um, making sure that people show up uh, at the polls uh, next year. Um, But also, you know, I think they uh, are trying to keep a lot of issues that are important to black people on the radar. Uh, I mean, we've already seen things like police reform falling off the off the agenda uh, student loan Tim debt. Tim
0: Scott's running for president. So sure,
1: sure. Uh, will he be asked about um, what happened with police reform and why he was, you know, why he didn't do more to get that across the finish line? Don't know. Somebody should ask. Maybe the nineteenth will ask him. Um, but you know, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, 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 keeping keeping a lot of the issues on on the agenda that that are priorities of of um, Black Americans. I think uh, is also the job of of a lot of those groups, and I think that you will. You will see that uh, as as we really are entering the 2024 election in earnest.
0: Let's talk about Clarence Thomas, because he just be getting flued out everywhere.
1: Mm, uh, he yes.
0: just, I, I just, I, I feel in my spirit that if Kentonji Brown Jackson had George Soros flying her mm-hmm. all over the country, they would burn the Supreme Court down. And I also feel that one of the cruelest tricks America's ever pulled on Black folk has been swapping out Thurgood Marshall for Clarence Thomas. What are you seeing in your research, in your journalism about the reaction or lack thereof? Will people ever see ethics reform in the Supreme Court? How will Clarence Thomas be remembered? He's, you know, he's actually pissed. And somebody, one of his friends told me this. Clarence Thomas is literally pissed off because he's not in uh, the the Blacksonian. He is not in the Negro Museum in Washington, D.C., But talk about how he'll be remembered, the legacy of Clarence Thomas, and why why more people don't seem to be upset by what looks like unethical behavior.
1: You know, that's interesting because, I mean, there is a case to be made for Clarence Thomas as a historical Black figure, Uh, Black black American hero, probably not necessarily with the majority of Black America. I'm not
0: sure how you could okay go ahead I, but, but I,
1: is he is he a historic figure as a as a black american i think he i think he is
0: i think he's an historic figure i mm-hmm. wouldn't i wouldn't extrapolate that as a black american
1: historic figure period. period okay okay uh so
0: you could put him in a museum
1: i think <laughs> in a museum sure so i think that um you know clarence thomas is black people have known who he is and what this is for you know forever so So, um you know i think maybe that is why you kind of don't see uh more black folks at least or at least the the folks i'm talking to being surprised um by by what he's doing not that they are not um outraged by uh you know by the the reports of, of uh you know this the, this Harlan crow relationship and all that that has has wrought uh, or even jenny thomas his wife's um actions uh, uh around the you know 2020 it's election and it, it's yeah. oh, correct. um you know but but i think uh yeah i mean th- these are these are uh, this is a couple that's been operating in plain sight for a long time uh in this country uh that said, you know we are this this is once again bringing up this question of of what are we you know they don't police themselves and and they you know the the rules at least certainly don't seem to apply to Clarence Thomas and so what do you do under those circumstances and and does that mean that it's time for a conversation about ethics reform um and i think that's a valid question
0: hmm. shifting gears a little bit 2024 is going to be one in detroit atlanta Philadelphia, I was going to say Houston, but Texas is going to be Texas, regardless. Uh, uh, Minneapolis, uh, Columbus, Cleveland—major um, cities where Black folk, particularly Black men, reside. What's the coverage been like, and why do we continue to see from journalists not the nineteen, but which is why I'm glad you're here. Thanks. But but journalists do these. Random, weird diner town halls in the middle of Iowa with white folk as working class. I'm using air quotes, people, Americans, instead of having a roundtable of black men who are in Detroit, Michigan, who might actually like Donald Trump or like Joe Biden. Um, Why don't we see that as a focus going into 2024 when we know that's what matters?
1: Because our default setting in this country and especially in political journalism for a voter remains a white man. (laughs) <laughs> that is what we think about when we think about voters. We do not think about women, LGBTQ folks, people of color as people who can also care about the economy, who can also care about health care, who can also care about education, the Supreme Court, who can also be faith voters, who can be blue collar Uh, workers or, you know, people from the heartland or from the South even, right? Uh, People who uh, live in rural communities, right? Like the default setting for all of that tends to be white and male. And that is how you end up at the diner over and over again. I wish we could put a moratorium on the diner, uh, not to say that we don't need to hear from those voters, but they are not the only people that are participating in this democracy. And it's really time that we act like it. I mean, the 19th Exists primarily because, you know, or certainly I've worked there because I was tired of women, for example, being talked about as a special interest group when we're half the population and half the electorate. (laughs) Like, I could do a story with all women voters um, as a story about voters, (laughs) and it would be fine. Uh, and you know yet, yet but you know that would be like a thing as opposed to the stories that we routinely do with all men, especially all white men uh, that, that it's, as the only voters that, that are interviewed in any given story. And, and uh, that has been the standard for for way too long. And, and we have an opportunity once again in 2024 to do this differently. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how many folks actually get away from the diner or or maybe go to go to a black diner. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> go go interview so them. I go mean, the he- can you please give them some some diners in, uh, you know, in the Carolinas that, that they no, can I mean, move they to go to where no, they no, might
0: where they might find some. We're gonna go stand out in a overpriced parking lot of Magic City interview voters. Mm, that's By not the really way, a diner. Not out the Magic City, but they do have good parking. food. They, they charge sixty eighty dollars to park. I mean, it is it's too much it, mm. I'm, uh, I'm gonna have to talk to mr magic that are they good.
1: ubering are they ubering to uber black to magic city now oh that yeah what that's, that's
0: what that's how i get i mean that's how i heard people get there
1: mm, that's how you heard that they get there you have that, not yeah. personally mm, no no like no, see no, your no, uber no. It,
0: it's a it's a uh, african american performing arts center that listen, i
1: appreciate. listen maybe that maybe that maybe that can be a precinct in 2024 i don't know
0: Would we you there. you are nap. there you go it should be a precinct actually
1: Let's talk about my girl,
0: Kamala Harris. How is she doing, in your opinion? Um, You saw Kamala in Africa. Talk about that. Talk about your trip. And what's the plan for her in 2024?
1: Yeah, I mean, so look, I think uh, more and more it seems that uh, the vice president is finding her voice uh, in in her historic role. Uh, As you mentioned, I did get to go with her on this historic trip to the continent, Uh, was there uh, on the ground with her in Ghana, Tanzania and Zambia and -hmm. really just got to see her for the first time as um, a leader on the world stage, which was really different. I mean, you know, I think for a lot of Americans, they think about the vice president as somebody who, you know, is it really that important, doesn't really do anything, they don't really know what the vice president does, and they don't really see the vice president on a regular basis. Over there, totally different story, right? I mean, this is somebody who is the second most powerful person in the country, arguably the world, um, you know, coming to their country uh, as a representative of the most powerful country in the world, like that means a lot to them. Uh, our um, press corps was dwarfed by the African media that was on the ground in every every country that we went to. And then there were also just the people that were lining the streets on every one of the motorcade routes that we went on, just hoping for a glimpse of her or a glimpse of the car that she was in. Like It was that important to them uh, that she was there. Uh, but, but also just the agenda uh, that she was setting when she was there was really interesting, wanting to show people not i guess kind of the usual um stereotypical narratives around africa the corruption the poverty the disease the whatever um, that we're told about what the continent is but really um the beauty of africa the the inspiration uh that is happening on the ground there the creativity the entrepreneurship that is happening uh, how many young people there are and that there are going to be uh, on the continent how many people eventually are going to be living on the continent and why we should care uh globally and and really um, seek out opportunities for partnership instead of the, you know, kind of traditional uh, extractive relationship, frankly, that, that too many uh, Western nations have had uh, with, with the continent. I love extractive.
0: That. I, I love that.
1: So, yeah, it re- I mean, just a really interesting trip uh, domestically, I would say. I mean, she continues to be a leading voice around reproductive rights. I think that's something that's probably going to continue going into 2024. Um, Biden, uh, President Biden, has has certainly... Uh, seem to embrace her as his full partner and you know is full- throated uh, you know kind of endorsement of her you know, to stay on the ticket. I don't even know why that was a conversation, but whatever what uh, and and uh yeah, I mean she she uh, she continues to speak out around um, whether it's reproductive rights, gun violence, um, you know, um, gender equity all these issues uh I think she she has been uh looking at, or increasingly finding opportunities to to weigh in on these things and and tying the erosion of rights to our democracy and our participation in democracy I think is a really important and effective message that she um that she's been effective at carrying.
0: Last question for you before I let you skedaddle out of here and this is a question I believe that you're a fan uh secession
1: oh yeah yeah yeah.
0: i thought um what's your take on how it ended and why tell me who your favorite characters are and tell me why they're time and jerry
1: oh my god i loved 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 this finale i thought that it was masterful i thought um you know not a scene wasted in this thing
0: the bar is low for finales i will say that no, I've, I've been
1: disappointed. I've been disappointed by some finales, but yeah. not, but I was very satisfied by the way that they ended this. And I will just tell everybody because, you know, whatever, I'm not uh, necessarily an appointment TV watcher all the time. So, but I watched the funeral episode and the finale back to back. I feel like this is a way to do it. If you have not done this, if you've still not watched the finale, I encourage you to do this. It was very satisfying for me. Um, Tom, as CEO, and sorry, if you haven't seen it by now, too bad. You need to get it together. Get your life together. Where are your priorities? Uh, Tom, as, as, as um, the successor, if you will, makes total sense. Total sense. I was totally gratified by this. Of course, it wasn't going to be any of the siblings because they just are too hot gross. Mess. And and yes, <laughs> yes, too. We, have, we, we actually, actually
0: have a word to describe that as hot mess.
1: I mean, yes. Uh. So yes, I mean. Shiv was like, yeah, ain't ain't none of y'all gonna get it if I can't have it. And also my husband's going to (laughs) be in charge. So I'm still power adjacent, which works for me. Um, Yes, absolutely. Jerry is my favorite. We love Jerry. Jerry's not going anywhere. Why the hell would Jerry be going anywhere? Also, but like, let's not forget Carolina. Okay. Under the radar, just enough while Hugo was out here angling openly. Mm -mm, That's not the way. Carolina's like, I know how to stick around here and she ain't going nowhere. I loved putting the sticker on Greg too, by the way. Can we just can we just shout out Greg's sticker? We want Greg to, to never go anywhere. We love Greg. Greg uh is hilarious. And I don't know that there, I, I don't know what else he will ever be in, but I will never be able to see him as anything else. <laughs>
0: yes. Please don't tell him that. You just stunned that man's
1: growth. Sorry. I'm sorry. We love you, Greg. We well, love I, you.
0: I love you, Aaron Haynes. You're one of my favorite people on earth. I'm glad to see you happy and smiling and glowing and Hi. all of those things. Thank you deserve you all, the, all the good things. Yes. Thank let's, you for joining the Party Sellers podcast. We will reach out to you soon again, I'm sure.
1: Yes. Let's do it again soon over Lemon Pepper.
0: Oh, my goodness. We can do it live from Magic.
1: <laughs> Wait a minute. Yes. <laughs> to some voters. Absolutely. To
0: uh, so vote. Uh, vote. Let me see if it. let me do that.
1: Let me find out.
0: Uh, me we can't go nowhere else.
1: Keep me posted. All
0: right. Have a good one.
1: All right. Later.